Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. Hello. And joining me is the woman who is somehow managing to stay positive despite her team's abominable season. It's Hayley McQueen. Oh, it's just horrendous, isn't it? I mean, what the heck? You guys know me very well and my millions of teams that I support. Yes, I'm one of those fans. Um, but at least Real Madrid won La Liga, so I'm just focusing on them for now. But normally I turn my attention to Middlesbrough, but yeah, their playoff hopes... Um, yeah, absolutely useless. I thought I'd just oh. go back to supporting the Red of Borough and, yeah, crashed and burned there too. Desperate times in the McQueen household. As usual, never fear. Today's lineup completing it. We've got the woman with far more flair and creativity than her beloved side, Wolves. It's Lindsay Hooper. <laughs> what a roasting I've given both of you just wow. then. I mean, it's, oh, it's all right wow. for me, isn't it, folks? Just remember, sat on the aloft on your tree, being a Liverpool supporter right now, that this podcast will continue. Are you sure I'm not on a throne rather than a tree? You know, you're aloft on a tree at the minute because we don't know. <laughs> the throne would only come if you get the quadruple. Um, and I don't think that's coming, personally. But um, yeah, she can dish it out, Hayley. But can she take it? We'll find out maybe next season, especially given our topic one today. Um, But yeah, I think Wolves, creativity is certainly something that's been stifled in recent performances. However, if Connor Cody ends up our top goal scorer for the season, he's now on three goals, I I will laugh so hard. (laughs) This is a man that couldn't score a goal for Wolves for I don't know how long. Yeah. You're playing Liverpool and Manchester City, of course, oh. in the next Yeah, I'm few off weeks, to Manchester so. City later. So once we've oh. done this, I'm off in the Mobile, the Lindsay oh. Mobile again, um, <laughs> up the motorway. I think you should buy one of those camper vans next season, Lindsay, so you can just actually sleep in it and then maybe get a little a workspace in there, a desk as a well, coffee machine massager. maybe. Yeah, yeah what do they call it? Glamping. I'm all up for Yes, that. yes. <laughs> she could have a personalised... Uh, little camper van uh, in operation mm. next season. Uh, that's one for a sponsor to jump on too, if anyone knows advertising anyone. advertising opportunity, isn't mm. it? I drive all over the country. They could have mm. their message, whatever it is, being seen up and down motorways all over the UK, and I could get a nice night's kip. <laughs> Win-win. Uh, listen, some behind-the-scenes action on today's show. Producer Doogie is in a cafe in southeast London that's playing out jazz music like I'm in some bar in Montreal or something. It's making me oh, long lovely. for a glass of wine. He should give us wine. a blast, just so that the listeners on, know what we go heard on, beforehand. Go on, Doogie, go on, go on. Oh, how nice is that? See what we're dealing with here? So it's goodness lovely. knows how we're sounding against that. Uh, although there is a wonderful game that we can play, of course, uh, for the pleasure of those mums and children closely located to Doogie right now in this cafe. Uh, and that is try and make Doogie say some rude words out loud because no <laughs> one in that cafe has got a clue about what he's doing. Um, oh. Doogie, who was the Austrian player, played for Leicester for years, first name Christian, second name... That would be Christian Fuchs, yeah. Ah! Oh, you didn't cheat to give the full name. We just wanted a Fuchs in there. Nice one, Kate. Uh, Nice one. We could go on with this wonderful game. I can tell Hayley's got one. Hayley's got one. 
Oh, I'm gone. No, no. I was no, just I thought she was chopping at the bit there. No. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID, people would be like really probably coming, craning their neck around to find out what Doogie was doing. But actually, they probably just think he's in some boring teams meeting. But instead, yeah. he's recording an award-winning podcast. Yes. <laughs> we could give him give him Danny Shitu as well. But um, but for the oh, sake yeah. of Doogie being able to stay in this cafe. Loser. <laughs> for we could duration. have given him loser. That would have been funny as well. <laughs> uh, we'll have to leave him alone. Anyway, onwards, ladies as we delve into some of our topics on today's show, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to us and all our cafe chat via your favorite podcasting app, uh, via Twitter at Offside Rule Pod, and also via our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Coming up on the show then, with the possibility of teams chasing the title, the top four, and of course, trying to cement their Premier League safety, and a lot of that really in question until the end of the season, there is the possibility that we could end up with clubs on equal points, and it could go further than that, as well so uh, we're going to come up with some weird and wonderful ideas um, as to how to separate teams if it gets to that point and there have been conversations about this before you balk by the way dear listener with the pfa awards fast approaching we are going to debate who should win the young player of the year always an exciting category but first with one of those talked about deals of the year erling Haaland to manchester city completed or agreed anyway on Tuesday afternoon we ask what the Norwegian superstars arrival will mean for the rest of the league look up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane it's Superman yes it's Superman strange visitor from another planet who came to earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men let's get uh, tucked into this one can we just before we start uh, because we've talked about this on the podcast only within the last few weeks. Pronunciation-wise, even though oh. his dad was Elfinger Harland, uh, we are making him a Holland, aren't we, Haley? Is that right? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay and I are in this camp, aren't we, that yeah. the correct way to say his name is Erling Holland. But even on Sky right now, my fellow presenters are Harland. But then when we interview an expert, particularly Norwegian experts, we sound a bit stupid because, of course, they're answering us with Holland. So I'm going for the old Holland. My argument would be, why bother, though, doing all those pronunciation guides at the start of the season, which we get yes. Premier League players to do? And this is pre-season, and I've been on many of these. They're called media access days, where you get the photo shoots for the start of the season, all of that. You also get the players to camera to say their name, as it's said wherever they're from and of course we haven't had the the luxury of doing that with Holland yet because he's not with Manchester City yet uh, the deal has been done but he's not in the country so um, when that happens I'm sure he will say to camera Holland, and that's the whole point of it so I think at the moment we have to listen to the European football experts and people in Norway as Haley says yeah. because they're the people that have covered all of his career and we've got some great colleagues and experts who who've covered him scoring for Borussia Dortmund and they've been saying Holland. So I, I I think that's where we go. All right. So at the end of that very long explanation, thank you, Lindsay, <laughs> for being so thorough. Thank uh, you. We've all well decided to go with Holland from this point onwards. Uh, how much is the deal with the papers on Wednesday? Anyway, reporting £51.2 million. But there's loads of add-ons and stuff which increase the price of it. I think that looks like 
a, a terrific deal, uh, even if the final thing ends up costing over £100 million. Uh, but let's analyse the move, shall we, most importantly. What does it mean for Man City? Uh, what does it mean for the Premier League and the other sides in it? And maybe for the good of football overall? Hayley, let's start with you. Where do you want to take this first? I mean, my goodness, this is going to be... Incredible. I'm actually really excited to see him play and see how he adapts to Premier League life as a 21 year old with so much to give and such a promising future. But it does terrify me about what Manchester City are going to become and how dominant they're going to be with the squad they've already got, the addition of one of the most exciting talents in European football right now. And I just think if he's going to do well, he has the best possible coach to bring the best out of him. We'll touch on injuries a bit later. That's something we have mentioned in previous podcasts, potentially looking after that and, and not having burnout for such a, a young man who has struggled with injury in the past. But I think he's going to transition fantastically, just as Pep Guardiola did from the Bundesliga to here. So he's making a similar journey over here with Gundogan, as well as De Bruyne and Sane, I, I think. Coming over from the Bundesliga, they should have kept him. They should have kept him. I think he would have been a great replacement for Lewandowski, but that's their loss. Manchester City's gain and the loss of every single other Premier League's hope of winning the title for quite some time as well. Once you guys have got your your thoughts on this, I want to chat about shirt numbers a little bit later, but that's probably the least important number that we're concentrating <laughs> on right now. We just want to know how many goals he's going to score, don't we? Mm. It's interesting because Hayley mentioned there about him having one of the best possible managers going to the mega club that is Manchester City. But there's a point to pick up on there, isn't there, Lindsay? Because one thing that Erling Haaland doesn't have is possession that is not one of his key skills and yet he's going to a club who cherish possession who value that more than anything else and a manager who has the same philosophy um his passing's probably the least developed part of his game Holland. so when we talk about the fit is it a perfect fit and would you have to have does pep fit Holland into the side or does or does he start to build the side around Holland? how do we work that through I think what you can do is you can keep possession based for the rest of the pitch from Edison all the way through to whoever's feeding Haaland, whether it be Mares, Grealish, Foden. All of those players can remain being possession based because what we've seen, I think, many times this season is that final ball going into the city box and there has been no one there to do anything with it. Um, and I think if they'd have had that option they would have scored far more goals than what they have. A lot of the goals that they have scored have been really difficult ones. They've been more team goals. And mm. I think we'll probably see less of those. Um, there was the fifth goal, which really, really impressed me against Newcastle. That Even that late on, the the way that goal was constructed, the build-up to it was beautiful with the, the cheeky back heel from Foden into the path of Grealish. Grealish picks out Sterling. Sterling buries the shot. And I think we might see less of that because you won't need to be mm. that sort of counter-attacking team if you've got Haaland up there. He can hold the ball up, he can play it off. Everyone else can still do that lovely possession-based, but they're going to rely mm. on him being in the box. I think very much, if we look at the contrast of who they were linked with last season in Harry Kane, it will be a very different acquisition and probably a better fit that Haaland will be in the box and in the box alone. He will be in and around that box area. And I, I imagine that Pep's instruction to him will be do not move from there because that's the whole point of this mm. build at play. Everything that they achieve on the ball, he's just about the finishing and the finishing article. But 
for Harry Kane, he, of course, would have been that sort of player that dropped further back, linked everything up. And at times it's been frustrating, I think, for Spurs fans to see him dropping so deep. So I, I honestly think this is a better fit in some ways. I understand and I hear what you're saying. And I think as as City fans who've got used to this sort of style of football, they are going to have to adapt a little. There will be more crosses having to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there will be more hold-up play, which is something they've definitely not been used to. But I think it will be a much better, better journey with Haaland in the team than Harry Kane had he been in the side and my final thing to say about it is you are also getting a player in their peak years about to hit their peak years rather than someone who's past them or potentially at the end of those peak years Mm. yeah and um, look Haaland's well known for you know working very hard at his game and he's you know keen to be developed too I'm sure further and that'll be a big reason to why he's gone to City. Just picking up on that passing, and this is just an interesting stat to kind of throw in as to an area of his game where he might want to improve and where Guardiola might be um, encouraging him to go towards. Haaland currently makes substantially fewer passes than any other leading goal scorer in Europe. So if you take Karim Benzema, 41 passes per 90 minutes, and Bappe, 38.9, Salah's 35. You can see where I'm going with this. Uh, Haaland's right down there on 20 in the bottom quarter of that particular ranking. So that is, you know, something he needs to pick up on, how many passes he makes uh, per 90. So I think you'll, we'll probably see that meeting in the middle somewhere, won't we, Lindsay, with what you're saying about him being told to actually stay quite tight and close to his remit and the fact that, that he will need to develop that part of his game. Hayley, Lindsay's touched on it already. Mm. City have been playing without an out-and-out striker at this season, haven't they? And so Haaland provides them with that. Uh, goals is certainly something that City are a touch behind on, and you can understand why, but they haven't scored uh, as many as other teams around them. Yeah, and this is this is what they're going to get from Haaland. He is a proven goal scorer at every level. I mean, when you read the stats, it is astonishing, isn't it? At Dortmund, 85 goals in 88 games with 23 assists. So as much as I'm sure he'd like to to improve on his assist rate, he is an out-and-out striker. He is going to be that number nine that I think they have been missing. I'm sure they'll wrap up the Premier League this season and could probably continue to do that next season, even without him, without that position. But... I just think it's so exciting to know that you've got a player who's going to add to Manchester City's goals and score goals in the Champions League as well. I just want to touch on his shirt number. I do mention numbers here quite heavily and because I keep saying it, I'll just get to it. What number is he going to be? Because he would come in as a number nine, but Gabriel Jesus has that number nine shirt, doesn't he? So what number do we think he's going to wear? Would he carry on what has been a family tradition and take hold of the number 15? It's not the most exciting shirt number, is it? But doesn't really matter what number you have on your shirt these days. So obviously his dad wore it when he was at City, so that kind of would make sense. He was you know, crucial in, in making sure that his son got a move to Manchester City and believes, yeah, he, he thinks he's going to be a star when he's there. But will he wear his dad's number or will he be the star in the number nine? Could he maybe swap to the number nine shirt if Gabriel Jesus departs? The, like, I don't know, what what do you reckon? Do you have a shirt number and then change it up? Or do you go in and say, this is it, I want that shirt off your back, literally? Mm-hmm. 
I think Jesus is leaving. I think he will be going in the summer, so there will be a vacant number nine shirt for him to take. That, that's that's if he definitely goes. But yeah, you, you are right. Mm. He, he looks like he's on his way out. But for mm. now, when when do they unveil that? Because it's like you can't do it before Jesus maybe goes. Yeah. Because you're gonna, and then it's giving everyone. Maybe oh, they'll just give him a random shirt. shirt number for now. You know, yeah. give him, yeah. give him like a high shirt number for now, a yeah. spare one, forty-six, uh, and then 46. fill in the gaps. Forty-six, says Haley. <laughs> give him eighty-five for his number of goals. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, looking at the player as well, we've sort of talked about the fact that the style of football at Manchester City is, you know, very different to that that he's had at Borussia Dortmund. Mm. Um, he's not known for his headers. Is he? So that's another thing that he'll need to add to his game. He is getting better. I think he's scored five this season compared to only two last season. So that's something that he can improve on. Is it worth talking about, Lindsay, how this will affect the Premier League? So not just Manchester City and the fact that it makes them, you know, even more of a mega club. But what are the other ramifications for the Premier Mm. League? But this is my worry, I have to say, I think the Premier League has always been competitive and I think we could be entering into an era where Manchester City dominate, especially when you Mm. think that Liverpool have got players on the way out um, past 29, a lot of their best players, certainly the ones that uh, Jurgen Klopp has enjoyed so much success with. There's about seven, aren't there? 29 or older. Despite bringing in Jota and Diaz, which have proven really good acquisitions, it was incomparable to what Manchester City will look like with Haaland and mm. the wealth of talent that they have. And let's face it, they probably aren't stopped there. They probably will do more business this summer mm. and bring in a couple more players. I dread the day that we have a situation where we know that Manchester City, as we are, are about to embark on a season, are going to fly and probably win the title by the time September comes round. We know it already. That's a situation that we've seen in many other countries. You look at PSG in France and they've always been dominant and we all think, you know, Liga is boring. Yeah, but the Premier League is um, much more competitive. I would, I would, I would want to give up if City were already nailed on in September. Oh. And you're forgetting that Liverpool have a decent budget. You know, Jurgen Klopp and his success over the last few seasons has generated revenue. Will that revenue, going to put it out there right now, will it buy Harry Kane? Should Harry Kane go to Liverpool? I think Harry Kane would be a really good get for them. But remember, this is also a player that is, is he 28, 29 now? 28, I think. So if you compare mm. with Haaland and what he's going to give service-wise to City, they're yes, going to get we much more we can't compare with Haaland, can we? We can't compare with Haaland. What, what we can compare with, though, is a proven Premier League goal scorer, someone who we know will come up with the goods. There's no debate at all about that. And, you know, Haaland's talented. He's wonderful. He's a great investment. He's been a bargain, really, for City. But Harry Kane's a different prospect. And... I think what the arrival of Holland will do is it will make Liverpool have to make a marquee mm. signing or two. You know, Chelsea are going to be limited on spend power, but if they get things sorted out quickly enough, every other club is going to have to raise their game to meet City, aren't they? So that we don't have the title wrapped up in the autumn. Hayley, what do you think about the effect on the Premier League, the kind of wider effect of Holland? I mean, I think it's probably quite exciting for City and Liverpool because as you mentioned, City do one thing, Liverpool have to better it. Liverpool might lose money, they'll bring in another big name. But then where do all these other clubs factor in? Manchester United, they don't have the draw anymore. If you're going to come and 
move to Manchester, you're probably going to want to play for Manchester City. Does Eric Ten Hag have the ties that Pep Guardiola has? No. Why would you want to come and play for a team who isn't going to be playing Champions League football next season and maybe for a while? Unless, of course, there's that fifth spot which opens up in the Champions League at the moment from, from next season onwards. It is worrying because... You look at Chelsea, we know they've got billions, the new owners, when that is officially, finally announced. I know it needs to be ratified by the Premier League and the UK government as well, but you don't know whether they're going to be like Abramovich and splash the cash or whether it's going to be invested into the club and they're going to be a little bit careful and clever about that. Arsenal are never going to spend hundreds of millions of pounds on on big name players. It is really worrying because you have these two teams a little bit like what's been happening in La Liga for so long with Real Madrid and Barcelona. And then there's just everybody else, Mm. isn't there? And what used to happen in Scotland with with Rangers and Celtic? Rangers and Celtic. Mm. Well, I feel like we've been here before. We've had huge players sign for clubs before and we've sort of always been okay. So I just just wonder whether people are kind of, you know, blowing this out, you know, blowing this up to kind of more than it is. Look, let's wait till it's done. Let's see what happens. I'm all up for the best talent in the world being in the Premier League, as I'm sure you are both as well. It will be exciting to watch him for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly will. All right, let's wrap it up there then as we uh, have, I feel, fully digested the arrival of <laughs> Erling Haaland. PFA Young Player of the Year. They're set to be announced, aren't they? Both these PFA Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year awards. In the next few weeks, we should hear who the nominations are. While most people, I think, assume that Mo Salah will win Player of the Year award, the young player is going to be a lot more interesting. So let's dive into this. Um, Just a reminder, actually, before I get both of your picks, that as of 2021, players must have been 21 or under uh, as of the 1st of July, so immediately preceding the start of the season. Let's run through a few of the favourites, see if either of you have got a particular favourite for this one. Hayley. I'd like to go for a player who I think has a really exciting future at Chelsea and England, but has been doing wonders for Crystal Palace. He's really shone Conor Gallagher, and I think he's one of the reasons why they look to maybe finish in the top 10 this season. I think Patrick Vieira has worked wonders with his confidence. He's such an exciting talent. He's uh, described himself as a box-to-box midfielder. He's obviously idolised, as he he has said himself, Gallagher, Frank Lampard growing up. He wants to be like Frank Lampard, which can only mean one thing for the England team going forward as this young player can come in and, and maybe fill the boots of Frank Lampard one day and maybe actually win something, though. But it's his work rate when he's working for this Crystal Palace side who are, they're not Chelsea, they're not Manchester City, um, but he is just relentless. When you look at some of the stats, he's, yeah, he's only scored eight goals, but three assists in 31 games. That's still respectable considering the club that he's playing for. You've only got Wilfred Zaha, who has um, actually scored more goals and been directly involved in uh, 24% of theirs. If he's around better players, I think he will get more, but that's not really what he's about, I think. It's 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 everything else. He's an all-round midfielder, and I think his 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 work rate, the fact that he gets stuck into tackles as, as well, he can see a pass. He's just very, very clever for such a, a, a young man, and I think he's a really exciting talent. I think he's going to be key to Gareth Southgate in Qatar. I think he will be back at Chelsea next 
next season and, and be given the chance because he's, he's going to need to. And I think they're going to have to rely on some of their younger players there with, with what's happening at the club and, and hope that the manager does stick with some of these younger talents. And I'm sure Crystal Palace would love to snap him up, but I do not think realistically that's going to mm. happen. He's one player of the season as well, by the way, at Crystal Palace this season. So he would be one of mine, I think a very strong yeah. contender for the PFA Young Player of the Year. Yeah, he's won the Young Player of the Year at the London Football Awards, actually, uh, mm. very recently. So Conor Gallagher's your pick. Lindsay, where is your heart at on this one? Well, I think we've seen some exceptional talent um, in this younger category this year. You can I put feel Bruce like you're James about to present there. the award. Exceptional talent. <laughs> we've seen some exceptional talent is in ready. this category this year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can you can put Reese James in there. You can put Conor Gallagher. I think he's been really good, as Haley's mentioned. Um, I think you can put Bukayo Saka mm. at Arsenal in there. But for me, the special talent, and then the special special talent, and mm. I think Phil Foden is that mm. other level. I genuinely think he will be one of the best players in the world if he carries on on the trajectory he's on. Some of some of what he does. And the way that he does it, I don't think that it's rivaled anywhere else that his skill base as a footballer, his vision, he's, he's got it all really. All the things that we loved about Gaza, he's got those. Mm. All of the things that I used to love about Teddy Sheringham, like his vision of the game, he's got that. He's also got the hunger, the appetite, the drive, desire. And maybe that is because he's so young, 21 years old at the moment. But... I honestly think having been someone that was on the fringes at Manchester City, without him, they would be much less of a team. Mm -hmm. I think he, he provides a lot. You probably have the argument that Saka's been more crucial to what Arsenal have done this season than what Foden has done when you look at all the mm. other talent around him. Yeah. But in terms of potential and actually how talented he is, I don't think that there's anyone that can match Phil Foden. 14 goals. 11 assists in 42 games this season. But I don't think it's about those figures. I think it's what else he brings. Mm. I think with all the attacking talent at Manchester City, it's very hard to shine in that squad. I think good on him for, for being a, a standout player when normally it's your, you know, your attacking players that we're, we're, we're looking at. And... Uh, Again, he's under 21 years old. He's in the category of under 21 years old. You feel like he's got such an old head on those shoulders, doesn't he, really? So, so much still to come from him. By the way, I just want to butt in here. We are recording this and we can see each other on Zoom. And I keep lifting my hands up to gesticulate at the camera. And I've had a spray tan. So the girls are probably thinking <laughs> there's some dodgy lighting here as I record in a little booth. One of those carrots. But <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I keep getting a little bit of a shock and hoping that it's actually the colour on my screen. But we have Kate, the English rose. Lindsay's still carrying a little bit of the honeymoon tan. I don't want to tell you about Doogie's forehead, but I'm definitely I'm definitely <laughs> outshining you all. And I'm going to uh, put my hands away for the time being because it's a bit embarrassing. Watch out for the orange <laughs> on Sky. Wow. David Dickinson, here you come. I wanted to chip in with, well... A quick reflection on Bukayo Saka, because you're right about the fact that I think, Lindsay, he's he's probably made more of a difference to Arsenal this season than you could argue. Maybe Phil Foden is Phil Foden the stronger talent, possibly. I think what I admire about Saka this season 
is the way that he's bounced back from missing that penalty at the Euros final. Um, he's had a really strong season. And again, he he looks like a really, really decent player. Emil Smith-Rowe, perhaps not up there as much, but again, he's had a real breakout season. He's made his England debut as well, didn't he, and scored. He's given the Gunners some really good, you know, really important goals this season. Maybe dropped further down the pecking order a little bit in the last few months, but I think he's improved his finishing. 11 goals so far this season in the Premier League, only bettered by Saka with 12. But Emil has a better goal to game ratio. I think his possessions better, confidence better. Uh, And he's also a homegrown talent as well. So I did want to put in a little vote for Emil Smith-Rowe. There's also Jacob Ramsey that we could talk about for Villa. And I think you've mentioned Rhys James already, haven't you, for Chelsea Linz? Yes, and he has been standout when he's played for Chelsea this season, um, but he has missed 18 games with injury. And I think that's the reason why maybe he wouldn't Mm. walk away with it. He certainly needs commending and he needs to be mentioned as part of this conversation. Only Mason Mount has been involved in more goals. And when you consider the position he plays, um, it's been sensational what he's managed to achieve. And I do think he will he will win this or will certainly win another award in his career because that's that's the quality that he's got. But he needs to play consistent game time, 23 league games this season. And when you compare to Saka, for instance, or to Foden, who've played a lot more, even though Foden's had all that competition in the City team, um, then, then, yeah, I think... He he just comes about third or fourth in this for me. All right, well let's wrap it up there, shall we, ladies? Um, I don't know. So so you are going with Foden. I'm going to say Bakayo Saka. Actually, mm-hmm. Haley, who's your your ultimate vote goes to Conor Gallagher, does it? Yeah, I think I think I'll stick with with Gallagher. I'm pleased that we've got Saka in there because last season on our podcast we tipped him as one to watch the very beginning of last season. So there you go. We do like to make these predictions, don't we, ladies? All All right, we'll head into topic three next. Before we do, though, a reminder that you can download the Athletic Women's Football podcast for your listening pleasure. This week, I'm joined by former England goalkeeper Rachel Brown-Finnis and commentator Vicky Sparks. We look ahead to the Women's FA Cup final this weekend. It's a doubleheader, isn't it? The men's on Saturday, the women's on Sunday. And, of course, we digest a cracking final day of the season. It decided the title winners in Chelsea and the final Champions League position, which went to Manchester City. An absolutely brilliant season in the WSL. And two really real experts of the game there in Vicky Sparks and Rachel Brown-Finnis. So download it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, how to resolve equal points. There's a very small chance, still a chance, that after 38 games and 3,420 minutes of action, the teams fighting for the title, top four and relegation might be tied on points, goal difference and goals scored. So where does it go from there? Well, if that is the case, the league would be decided on a head-to-head, followed by who scored the most away goals in those head-to-head games. So bearing all that in mind, Today, we want to discuss how likely it is that we'll get to that situation. What happens if if it's all still square then? And what would be the best way of deciding the final positions, whether it's relegation, top four, or who wins the title? Should we look at how likely it is, first of all, for people having to suspend their disbelief a little bit as to whether this is actually going to happen or not? So as we record, 
-hmm. In terms of the title race, Man City are level on points with Liverpool but have a game in hand. They've scored the same amount of goals, but their goal difference is plus three better off. In terms of head-to-head, both mm-hmm. their games this season finished 2-2 two, two all. Uh, so there's a, a very small possibility that this could be a thing. We're going to need some sort of oh. playoff to determine the title. Is that what usually happens, Lindsay Haley, a playoff? I have absolutely no idea. It has happened before. <laughs> I don't think we've ever ha- has it? it. Not in not in English football, but it has happened elsewhere. Yeah, I've got a great example from back in the early 1900s that I will st- stick on at the very end of this podcast just to have a little bit of did history because it's a fascinating a, story. Did they fight on horseback? Is that what, is that what they did yeah. in the 1900s? Almost. To determine? Almost. Yeah. Pretty much. Perhaps it involved a yeah. sheep's bladder or something. I don't know. Uh, whatever mm-hmm. they were making footballs from in those days. So it is a possibility uh, in the the title race, top four and relegation too. So I think rather than going through the motions of what all the ramifications are, let's just come up with some wacky mm-hmm. solutions, shall we, ladies? Lindsay, I can tell you've had a good think about this one, uh, mm-hmm. but you'll have your journalistic hat on, so you won't have gone too mad, will you? I mean, I can go down the mad route. We might do that in a second. I- I'm going to say something has certainly spiked interest this season more than any other, and that is the term XG. Mm. I don't think we've used it as much as we have in the 2021-22 season. When you look at the stats around football now, you cannot ignore them. We want a game that's entertaining. It's about creating chances, notable chances. So it could be determined on who's had the higher XG score across the season. So that's your sensible solution. Do you have a sensible solution, Hayley, for this dilemma? It could... It could happen with the title race. It could happen between Everton and Burnley and Leeds, couldn't it? In relegation, mm-hmm. potentially. It could happen mm-hmm. with the top four as well when we talk about Arsenal. I think you get these teams together not to play in a playoff, but um, to execute a crossbar challenge. <laughs> yeah, crossbar challenge. <laughs> I was Why like, not? execute what? Um, mm-hmm. A crossbar challenge for you. Yeah. Yes, come on. Do you not think that would be a really fun way of doing it? Because who doesn't love a crossbar challenge? True. Either a crossbar challenge or top bins like Soccer AM. Yes, just <laughs> yeah. like that. Producer Dugis suggested a royal rumble involving the two managers oh. and teams. Such a place. And mascots. And mascots. Yes. <laughs> and, and mascots. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think, well, Dugis also suggested... An arm wrestle mm-hmm, between the mm-hmm. chairman. Oh, the chairman. Would we have to call that out? I mean, I'm, I mean, it depend, depends who the chairman is, really, doesn't or, it? Or representatives of the club. I mean, my money would be on Amanda Staveley. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I've yes. got kind of, well, I mean, I've got one sensible-ish suggestion, which is to give it to the right. veterans. Produce a veterans team of both sides. Because, I mean, we'd, we'd all love to see this, wouldn't we? If the kind of current gen of players can't do it, let's... Let's let's give it to the founding fathers, as it as it were. I, I don't know how in City and Liverpool's case you'd split Robbie Fowler or Dietmar Haman for that instance, but I'd love to see like Ian Rush against Uwe Rossler or Redknapp against Barton. I mean, we'd all love that, wouldn't we? We have that during the summer, don't we? In these yeah, and they do them in charity games. Oh, yeah, right. and also, so, there could be yeah. a charity We've got element. Heroes. There could be a charity element to it. I was thinking if you had a playoff game, you would have to play. During the 90 minutes, every single player at some point in the game that has been part of the squad so that everybody has a part in it. So you have like 
I don't know, 30 people on a subs bench. Okay, maybe not 30, depends who your squad is. But if it's Manchester City versus Liverpool, everyone that's had a part that is currently fit. And that is when the managers have to tactically make changes. So it becomes a bit like chess. So Klopp would take off two or three players and then City would have to try and match that up. And then everybody gets a bit of a go and it just all becomes a bit of a, a, bit <laughs> the of a mad match. The commentators are going to kill you for that one. See, yeah, brilliant. all of this involves more football. And I think by the end of the season, we've had enough Toss a coin. I don't want to yeah. see managers or all all squads going up against each other I don't want to see that I don't want to see any more football I want it to be decided by something else and so what is key to football all season what is the livelihood the blood of the game it's the fans oh. and I think we should assess each club according to price per ticket to be able to go home and away and the quality of the food on offer oh. in that stadium. And that I'll as do a the combined food score. I knew Yeah, we do the food testing. Combined score, it. whoever comes out on top. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um what I mean I, I I'll talk to you about this one, Lindsay, because you're a very competitive person when it comes to sport. What would <laughs> mm-hmm, be the most mm-hmm. annoying game ever for you as a very competitive person? Something where there is no clear winner, so like rhythmic gymnastics where you twirl a ribbon or something and someone says that's worth 9.5 out of 10. Why? Why is that worth 9.5 out of 10 compared to... Something you've got no control over, right? Something that's... Yeah, and I don't like boxing for that reason. Okay. Yeah, unless it's a knockout... Then I don't understand how they're scoring it. So well, unless you, you don't the understand game. the scoring, is it really? But 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 well, anyway, it, no, because it never makes well, it never makes sense it's as sort to of what a matter even of boxing opinion as well, think. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it's opinion. Anything that's got opinion in it. If someone's yeah, okay. if someone's doing a dance, what ice about, skating? You know, what that about sort of a race involving something so slow and unpredictable oh my God, that you find race. it hard yes. not to smash yes. them up? I'm talking about a snail race. Oh. Across the length of a pitch, whichever pitch either team, so it could be Etihad, could be at Anfield, decide it by the toss of a coin. Each mm-hmm. player, so you take the take the top <laughs> appearance. The groundsmen are going to love you. Yeah, they're going to eat take, all their lovely grass. Is that what's going to well, happen? Well, no, because they're going to be so so quick up the length of the pitch, aren't they? Um, but I would just love to see very competitive people have to deal with snail racing because it is about the most frustrating sport, if you want to call it that, ever. Wow. Uh, how long until someone, you know, smashes up their snail? You, you know, animal rights uh, and all that, you just have to let them get on with it. <laughs> but yes, I think a massive snail race between, you'd have 22 snails, so you'd select the 11 most selected players that that season at most played players and you'd have 22 snails you have to draw out little lines you'd have a huge snail race no see i'd go the opposite i'd go drone racing have you oh. seen have you seen it on sky where you can go around cities like yes. vegas and cool. new york and you can ra- you can race drones very cool anyone else got any other out there suggestions no but can I just tell you the story? Because I found it absolutely fascinating oh, yes. how the league title was won in 1910 between Inter and Provercelli. I have no idea where Provercelli are now, but we all know what happened with Inter. Well, Provercelli. Shall Kate was... and I have a? Shall Kate and I have a guess as to how it was resolved? Yeah, go on. <laughs> so Provercelli, they won the championship in 1908-9, the 10-11 season, 11-12, 12-13, but the 09-10 season was won by Inter. Why? Why? Okay. Are you searching this up on Google, Lynn? I can, I can see you now. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. 
No, I'm not doing anything. I'm thinking about things that used to happen in 1910. What happened? Um, I'm what thinking they might have solved it. Maybe they solved it with a game of dominoes. No. Oh, no. It was, no. They, no. They, they were actually made to play because they finished okay. on... So they finished on the same points. Provocelli had a superior goal difference. <gasps> Did they have to take their boots off? No. Play blindfolded? No. So Provocelli had players who were committed to a military tournament and they could not get out of it and the government made them play it, which meant that Vercelli actually had to field their youth team. By youth team, I mean the under 13s. <laughs> so yeah, they genuinely played against Inter Milan, oh. 10 to 15 year old kids. So in into one in a breeze and they were they lined up and did the whole handshakes out of the tunnel and everything with a bunch of little kids i know oh, how much pressure the final score was what hayley it was 10 3 yeah oh well that's not that bad they did really well they did, they, well. Scored so, three goals. they did we have an 11 year old on the score sheet but provincial they were furious they were actually <gasps> banned until the end of the year for their impudence apparently but they said it wasn't fair to put all that pressure on on basically kids no I wonder if any of those kids grew up to be megastars. No, thank you. Thank you for that, indeed. Bit Um, of history for you there. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners have got some ideas about how they would settle the score if it got to it at the end of the Mm -hmm. season Mm -hmm. uh, that these teams were level. Get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod. It can be ridiculous. It can be calculated. You can link us to a blog on it if you like. Uh, Have much work or not you want to put into it. How would you Mm. resolve it if teams Mm. ended up on equal points and it couldn't be decided any other way? Well, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Miss Hayley McQueen is live on air in a matter of minutes. Mm. I'm sure uh, Lindsay's got some dog walking or some very important football analysis to do. Uh, I need some lunch. So, ladies, thank you so much for your involvement this week. And also to our listeners for listening, you can get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod, the website, offsiderulepodcast.com, uh, and of course, Insta as well, at Offside Rule Pod. Um, Hayley McQueen, Lindsay Hooper, as the season draws to a close, we are back next week for more fun and frolics. We are. We will see you then. We'll look forward to seeing you then. You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.